Warrior Woman, welcome back to the Warrior School podcast. This is episode 213 and it is a very special day today. We've got, we've got something to celebrate. Uh, they have finally stopped doing construction across the road after... Three, three and a half, four years uh, of construction, of jackhammers, of (laughs) many noises. They have completed the project. The apartment building across the road is done. (gasps) Oh. For those of you who have been along uh, for the ride with me, well, I started the podcast four years ago and pretty soon after they started construction on one apartment building uh, to the uh, across the road and to the right of us. And that took about a year and a half, uh, two years. And then a couple of years ago, uh, they started the work on the second apartment building, which is across the road to the left. And so I've had to podcast through construction for the last three years, but the construction is done and there are no more bangs and yelling from the workmen and there's no more jackhammering and soaring And I'm celebrating because this is the first or maybe the second podcast episode that I've recorded without construction. So it's a day to celebrate. Yes, we did it. I just want to say thank you. Uh, The quality of the audio is extremely important to myself and to Carson. So Carson did a lot of work to source uh, the microphone and then we actually just bought um, some new microphones to take with Nashville to take to Nashville for uh, my confidently ever after event and he spends a great deal of time really researching uh, pieces of equipment Uh, he's also spent ages researching the light that I have here So one, I just want to thank Carson. He won't listen to this, but (laughs) I'm just going to put it out there. I thank him for getting me a really great mic that didn't pick up a lot of that construction noise. And then the mics that we used uh, in Nashville also worked extremely well. Uh, So hopefully you didn't hear a lot of that construction. (laughs) Uh, And we really... Um, spent a lot of time making sure that the audio was to the highest quality it could be in the environment (laughs) that I was in recording these. So I'm celebrating that. Uh, That is a huge deal for me. We did actually on a walk uh, a couple of weeks ago, we came around the block and at the end of our block, so next to us, the apartment building next to us actually has a, a big development sign up. And I was just like, F, <laughs> I won't hear it as much as the one across the road, but I'll still hear it. So they are developing a lot around us. But the show must go on. Uh, and so here we are recording free from construction noise. We're going to talk about one of my favorite topics today. I've spoken about it before on the podcast. I've actually had a couple of guests on the podcast speaking uh, about this about this topic uh, or really about the resiliency of the human body and why flexibility and mobility are a really key part in helping build our foundation, helping us create this strong, capable, resilient body that can carry us through our life on our own terms. So today I'm going to do a podcast episode on how to include mobility and flexibility 
in your training to prevent injury and to feel really great when you train. I actually had a question from one of my warriors uh, a couple of weeks ago and she asked me, should I be doing my own stretching uh, after, before or after my training sessions? And previously she did a little bit more flexibility and mobility or a separate yoga practice to her training. And then she started inside of warrior school a couple of months ago and uh, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about how I actually structure my programming and how I really include mobility and flexibility in all of my Warriors uh, programs. But her question, after doing a couple of months of training, we didn't set her, and I, I rarely set very specific standalone mobility, um, flexibility, or stretching practices. I actually integrate it into the sessions into the training practice, which I will talk about. So I guess this podcast episode comes from that question that she had that I thought was such a great question. And I've heard it many times before. Maybe you've thought about it before when you're thinking about your training uh, and you're thinking about, okay, well, how do I fit it all together? What do I need to include? What do I need to do? Uh, And what does that look like over my week? So definitely mobility and flexibility are a part of a training practice. So a lot of the times, you know, I speak of strength training, walking, developing, you know, this aerobic base. So nowadays you you hear a lot about zone training, zone two uh, from the female physiology side. You're hearing a lot about uh, jumping, sprinting, you know, sit training or hit training. Uh, and the, there is another piece, which is mobility and flexibility, or we could look at it like from this, this perspective of prehab, prehabilitation, or, uh, building resiliency in the body to reduce risk of injury. And also for us to feel really good Uh, when we train. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, I do have a few podcast episodes that I will refer you to. One is with a friend who is a physiotherapist in Australia called Frances Brown. And it was episode 141. We spoke about the resilience of the human body about Frances's work as a physiotherapist, she takes a very different approach when it comes to uh, preventing and rehabbing injuries. So that is a really cool episode that you can go and listen to. The second episode, uh, which is episode 131 with Lucas Aaron, who uh, is known as Range of Strength and he is Carson's coach. And we talked about why flexibility is a key part of building a strong foundation. So that's a really cool conversation. Uh, Lucas's work is is really, really cool. Uh, He does a lot of work in the range, mobility, flexibility space. And then the last one, I recorded one on how to move through pain and injury. So that's episode 130. So those three are really cool episodes for you to listen to if you haven't or if you have. Uh, to, I guess, reconnect with uh, around the topic and what we're going to talk about today. So often, you know, I get asked a lot of questions about training around how do you build quality muscle? How do you get stronger? How do you feel good when you train? And how do you prevent injuries? So in our conversation today, we are going to look at mobility and flexibility through the lens of those questions. Uh, A lot of us want to feel good when we train. We want the movement to feel good. Uh, We want to get stronger. We want to build quality muscle. We want to prevent injuries. And so how how do we do these things? How do we feel good, get stronger, build muscle and prevent injuries? Now, of course, there are many pieces to this. So we've got the stress nervous system piece. We've got the nourishment piece, the recovery piece. 
uh, the training piece. And then within training, we've got different things. So we've got and strength training. And now I'm not saying mobility and flexibility aren't strength training. They are a type of strength training for sure. Uh, but we've got different types of strength training. So we've got strength endurance. We've got uh, more of a hypertrophy, you know, muscle building uh, strength focus. We've got pure strength, which is, you know, like less than six reps, like one RM max strength uh, type of training. And then we do actually have mobility and flexibility strength training. So if you're if you have those questions around how do I prevent injuries, how do I feel better when I train or how do I make certain movements feel better? How do I get stronger and how do I build quality muscle? Uh, I've spoken about the importance of, you know, uh, nourishment and recovery and how to strength train. And today we're going to focus in on the mobility and flexibility side of things. All right. So I think the first, the first place to start is getting really clear on what is mobility and flexibility. So the difference between mobility and flexibility is that with mobility, you have control over the range of motion. So for example, you're, you could probably lift your leg relatively high with assistance, uh, uh, from your arms, or if, you know, if you could sit in the splits, you know, a lot of women, especially if they come from a gymnastics or a dancing background, they could probably sit in the front splits. So that is flexibility. So passive or static flexibility. When you're sitting in something or holding something, or when you're using something for assistance to achieve the range. Mobility is active. It is when we have control over that range of motion. So for example, uh, we let's we'll stick with the splits. So someone might not have the flexibility to actually get into the front splits. Uh, and so we need to work on increasing flexibility. So increasing uh, the, the, the range essentially of that movement. Now we can do that actively and passively. Both are really important, but mobility is when you can control the entire range of motion. Uh, so with the leg lift, for example, it would be, you would be able to lift the leg without assistance with just the leg muscles through the range. You don't need assistance to lift that leg up. So that's active and there's a strength component and mobility can be under load, whereas flexibility often isn't under load. Flexibility is often holding passive positions. So for example, if you think of yoga, yoga is, yes, it does have a strength active component, but, and it depends on what type of yoga you're doing. Uh, like Ashtanga is extremely difficult uh, and very body weight strength uh, based, whereas uh, Hatha or I don't know yoga that well because I don't like yoga. Um, I have nothing against yoga, but I don't really enjoy the practice of yoga. I find it extremely boring. Uh, and but think of holding a pose. So think of holding a pose for a long time, holding the front splits, holding, you know, yourself in the bottom of a passive squat. Uh, a lot of yoga is flexibility. It's passive or static. Whereas mobility often has this element of adding load, external load or weight and moving through the full range of motion, not just going to the end range and holding. So it's also really possible to have strength in your muscles in just a small range of motion 
And that's why strength alone isn't enough. So we need to train the entire range of motion to build mobility. For example, if you think of a squat, we can be strong. And if someone's only doing quarter squats or half squats, they have a very small range of motion. They can be strong in that range, but I wouldn't say that they are a very mobile uh, person because they're not going through their full range of motion. And that's why strength alone isn't enough. We need to do, we need to train in a way that trains that full range of motion, that entire range of the movement pattern. So for the squat, we want to go to full depth. Uh, They can call it ass to grass. uh, And again, this will depend on uh, your lever system. It depends on your mobility and flexibility. But essentially, we want to go through the entire range of motion with every movement. If we're looking at it from the lens of being functional, being capable, you know, building resiliency, reducing risk of injury. Now, if you look at it from like a bodybuilding lens, they don't go through entire ranges sometimes, uh, a lot of the time, because they're looking for the pump. They're looking to build the most muscle. Now, a lot of bodybuilders uh, don't actually have amazing mobility and flexibility. So my approach, you know, that I've had in my own training uh, because of my work with my coach who took a very health-based approach uh, when it comes to training, we did loads of mobility and flexibility work. And in warrior school, I do a lot of mobility and flexibility work, which is strength. It comes through a strength training practice. So we can break mobility down a little more. We, ha- we can have joint mobility and that what that means is a joint's ability to move through its range in different planes. So you think of your shoulder, your shoulder is a joint and in order for us to have good mobility, that shoulder needs to move through its full range of motion or move through range in different planes. Then, and that's the same with the hip. Then we can have joint stability. And that means the ability of the, uh, we call it the kinetic chain, which is made up of the nervous system, uh, skeletal and muscular systems to stabilize a joint during movement. So we've got joint mobility, which is the range of motion uh, that we can access And then we have joint stability, which is our ability to be able to stabilize the joint during different movements. And then we've got flexibility, which is um, a lot of isometric holds or going to an end range of a position and holding it there. Think of it as passive or static. And... The range option for a joint depends on the surrounding structures, conditions. And what I mean by that is if we have tight muscles, tight ligaments, tight tendons, that is potentially going to restrict the range of motion of that joint. Uh, And so flexibility is really looking at improving Uh, the flexibility of those surrounding structures, so our muscles, uh, our joints, our our tendons, our ligaments uh, that all attach to that joint in order for us to improve the range of motion. To get flexible, we need to spend time in positions. All right, so there are two types of mobility. Mobility of the muscles uh, or the body part. So we can look at mobility in isolation uh, and then overall mobility 
also known as structural balance. So we'll look at the first one. So the first one, the first type of mobility is mobility of the muscles or a particular body part. Uh, So we're looking at it in isolation. So it's possible to have mobility in certain muscles and lack it completely in others. Uh, So I've worked with people who have amazing shoulder mobility uh, and terrible lower body mobility. So terrible mobility uh, and flexibility in their hips, uh, their hamstrings, their knees and their ankles and vice versa. I've worked with people that have really great lower body mobility, but terrible um, upper body mobility. So terrible shoulder mobility or... um, thoracic uh, mobility. Thoracic is in the middle section. So when we're working on building mobility in a specific muscle, which is often really needed. So for example, if say you're trying to work on your squat and you feel like you're always going to fall backwards, you can't go deep into your squat we need to look at what's going on. And often, you know, we're, we're, we want to look at the hips, the hamstrings. Uh, we want to look at the ankle, you know, the calf muscles, the knee joint. And if we want to improve the range of motion of the squat, uh, we can actually isolate specific muscles, um, joints to work on those. So, When you work on building mobility in a specific muscle, say your hamstrings, you are working on the mobility of that muscle. And we can do that both passively and actively. So we could actually do passive hamstring stretches as well as working through full ranges of motion or the range that you have and pushing that. And it could be something like a Jefferson curl, a weighted Jefferson curl, using load or weights, um, moving through the range is active mobility. And so if we isolate something, say a hamstring or, uh, you know, it could be your quad, it could be your shoulder, say you want to get your first uh, strict pull-up. If you have terrible shoulder mobility uh, and all the muscles around your shoulder are really tight, that's going to restrict your range of motion. And often when our range of motion is restricted, it means that one, we can't access the full movement, but two, we actually, we can't activate the muscles properly. A tight muscle uh, isn't an active and strong muscle. So we need to improve your shoulder range of motion uh, in order to be able to access one, the actual, the movement pattern to build the strength uh, to achieve it. And two, we need to improve the quality of the tissue, the length of the tissue, the range, uh, one, to get blood flow in so, so it remains healthy, but two, so we can actually activate the right muscles that we need to activate. If something is really tight, it's like it's asleep and then it's not going to be able to switch on in order for you to be able to recruit it to do the movement. So although, you know, if we're focusing on one muscle, uh, that will get strong and mobile, but it doesn't mean that your entire body has a good level of mobility which is why two is really important. So the second type of mobility is overall mobility, known really as structural balance. So when you're looking at, so as a coach, when I look at someone's body, so all of my worries do a movement assessment with me uh, before we start training. And what I'm looking at is I'm looking at mobility within a certain structure so hamstring mobility or hip mobility or shoulder mobility but I'm also looking at overall mobility and and their overall structural balance Uh, 
And what that is, is how balanced and mobile their entire body is as a whole. And really, this is the most important thing uh, needed for growth, for health, for injury prevention, for strength. We need a balanced body that is mobile everywhere. Now, you'll hear words like, you know, bulletproof. uh, And I don't love that because it's not... (laughs) uh, it's, it's not really about bulletproofing yourself. It's about reducing risk of injury. Or, uh, you know, Ido Portal, who's kind of like the grandfather, the godfather in the movement world. He has this saying, which is, there's no such thing as a bad movement, just lack of preparation. So when we're thinking about um, injuries... Actually, we were at the airport uh, the other night and the plane was late arriving from Vancouver to Nashville. So our plane, our flight was delayed about three and a half hours, but there was a connecting flight uh, for the people that got off the Vancouver plane. It was connecting to Boston and because it was so late, the Boston plane was almost about to leave. And so all of these people had to sprint, you know, from one end of the airport to their plane and watching them they were really struggling like uh, most of them were men middle-aged and their gait was horrible they looked tight and stiff and Carson said to me hey actually I was listening to a podcast with you know someone in kind of the mobility range of strength space and they said that uh, like hamstring injury Um, or a hamstring strain or tear or pull is extremely high in middle-aged men, especially when they do something like that, which is having to run in the airport. Uh, (laughs) And so we really want this overall structural balance. We don't want to just have one area really mobile and then the other area not mobile at all because one that limits what we can do with our training. It will limit our ability to build strength, to gain muscle, and to reduce our risk of injury in that area. So we're after structural balance. Uh, And that will really help you reduce risk of injury, especially if you have to do something in your life that requires you to move fast, quickly, uh, move in a way that you don't move um, normally. So a good level of structural balance really allows us to perform and handle a lot of different movements, a lot of different postures, a lot of different positions that the body is put into, whether we choose to put the body into it or the body gets forced into it for some particular reason. Could be um, sport that we're playing, a game that we're playing. Uh, It could be running through an airport. It could be having to help someone, lift someone. So when we have structural balance, Everything is is working together. It's working correctly. And there's no one joint or muscle tissue structure that's getting too much uh, unnecessary strain, which helps prevent many chronic injuries people experience. If you have something that's chronic, uh, and I've spoken about pain before, we're not going to dive into the weeds of pain (laughs) Also, Lucas and I spoke a little bit about it, uh, and I think Francis and I spoke a little bit about it on their podcasts, but essentially when we aren't mobile in a particular area or when we don't have structural balance, that places unnecessary strain on a particular area. Actually, I was on a a really cool call with Hillary. She's one of the warriors. Hillary uh, works on a farm. She owns and runs a farm. She actually breeds um, horses and she rides a lot. And part of our work together is to support her riding, to support her body being on a horse for extended periods of time. And 
she was saying that the osteopath uh, came out to treat her horse. So it's an an equine um, osteopath and that his muscles in his legs um, or flank, I'm not sure exactly the right term. I'm just going to use leg. Uh, There was an imbalance there. So the hamstring was over firing and the hip and the quad were weak. And so they were talking about, you know, trying to help him create more structural balance because he's overcompensating. And then Hillier was like, it's really cool because, you know, I, he has a training plan and we're working on him to get stronger. And then I have a training plan and we're working on my structural balance. So when we come together and we ride, we have this beautiful structural balance, which means both of them get more out of the riding uh, together. And so if we really want to prevent like chronic injuries, chronic pain, chronic niggles, we need to look at structural balance. So the kind of like a myth uh, that's out there, most people think that being mobile or flexible is a genetic thing. You're just born that way. Like you're lucky because you were just born flexible or mobile. Now, what we do in our childhood, our sporting background can definitely play a really big role in this. So I come from a gymnastics and a dancing background. So in gymnastics, you need to have amazing flexibility, amazing mobility, amazing joint stability. The same with dance. However, gymnastics has more of a strength focused, whereas practices like yoga and dance, there is definitely more, there's less strength. So I've worked with quite a lot of yogis or a lot of dancers that are flexible, but aren't strong. And that's the biggest thing that I see in the yogi world. Uh, is that a lot of yogis are extremely flexible, but they aren't actually strong in that range. You add weight or load to them and then they crumble. They don't actually have the stability within the range of the movement. So it's not a genetic thing. Uh, It's a disciplined practice. So Carson, uh, my lover... He started working on his splits two years ago. So he wants to get the side splits or the middle splits. So where you're standing and your legs slide out to the side and think like balls to the floor or vagina to the floor. And he's also working on his front splits. So where one leg's in front, one leg's behind. Again, balls or vagina to the floor. Uh, And then on your other side. So he's been working on that for two years under the guidance of Lucas from Range of Strength and then also stuff that he's learned from my coach, myself, uh, and from just training for well over a decade now. And so Carson is not a flexible person. He's actually got extremely tight hips, glutes, uh, hamstrings. His hamstrings were so tight. And he's had to build the range through both flexibility work and mobility work. But he hasn't just focused on his lower body and left everything else out. He also has to maintain structural balance by working on his spinal mobility and his shoulder mobility. Uh, And the main two reasons why people can't display or can't achieve a particular range of motion are tissue stiffness and neural tightness. So that's generally what's going on. So when Carson started this work, he just had a lot of tissue stiffness. So stiffness in the glutes, in the hamstrings, in the calf muscles, in the hips, so the hip flexors or the quads. And he had a lot of neural tightness. Uh, And so he has had to work on increasing the pliability, the flexibility, the range of all the tissues surrounding his hips or his pelvis. And he's also had to slowly improve uh, uh, that neural tightness that he had. So how do we build mobility? We, there are two different ways we can build mobility. One is using full range of motion with compound exercises. Uh, and then the second is isolating certain muscles or body parts. So 
this kind of goes with the first piece around, okay, we can have mobility in um, isolated parts of the body or we can work towards having structural uh, balance. So when we're looking at building mobility uh, or how to, how to actually yeah, be more mobile, we could look at it from an isolation perspective or from more of a full range of motion compound perspective. So the first one is using full range of motion with compound exercises. So compound exercises are big multi-joint exercises like pull-ups, push-ups, bench presses, squats, and deadlifts. Bringing you back to the squat example, when I start working with a lot of women, they don't have full range of motion with their squat movement. Uh, for a lot of different reasons. One, they were maybe never taught uh, how to, to squat properly or they weren't taught the importance of going through the full range of motion. Two, potentially they can't, they don't have access to it. Uh, and that's a, it's a really big one. We actually just don't have the access to the full range because our tissues, our tendons, our ligaments, the structures are just really tight. And then we've got that neural tightness. So in order for us to work on achieving a full range squat, there's many things that we might have to do. But one thing that we can do is work that full range of motion that we have access to currently in a movement like the squat. So for a lot of my women, we start off with their own bodies or light weights or things like goblet squats, and they're working down into their full range of motion that they have and we're starting to build more mobility more range more stability and then eventually we build the strength onto that and that's how I want you to look at it when you think of this foundation and building structural balance and getting stronger and having you know a healthy functional body and building muscle at the base of that is we've got to have range of motion we've got to be mobile we have to have access to the range so with a squat we've got to have access to the full range of the movement then once we've worked on gaining access to the full range of the movement we want to build stability within that movement then we can build strength now it's not I do one then that stops and then I do the second and then I do the third they're happening all together, but the priority changes. So at the start, if you don't have access to the full range of motion for these compound exercises, for these movements, your number one priority is to get access to the full range of motion through that compound exercise. So actually doing it, uh, you don't have to be perfect at squats to do squats. Uh, and then also doing a bunch of other flexibility, mobility, or accessory uh, exercises to help you gain more range, more mobility. Then while you're working on the range of that compound movement, we also want to create stability. So that's why we do things slow and controlled. We do a lot of tempo work, a lot of paused work. This is how we create stability. Then Thirdly, we can prioritize the strength. So once we have that foundation, we have the range of motion, we have the stability, we can really push the strength of a movement. And this is the same with push-ups, pull-ups, deadlifts, and bench presses. One, do you actually have access to the full range of the movement? Two, are you stable? Do you have control of yourself, your body, the weight in that movement? Then three, you can push the strength of that movement. So you will develop good levels of mobility by doing big compound exercises with a full range of motion. And I think that's essential. And this is one of the reasons why we want to do those big compound exercises. Yes, they build insane strength. Yes, they're super cool. Uh, we feel badass when we do them. But they actually really help us build great levels of mobility and maintain great levels 
of mobility. Then the second way that we can work on building our mobility is through isolating certain muscles or body parts. So compound exercises will take us so far. So really learning how to do the squat properly, how to do the push-up properly, going through the full range of motion that we have access to. Then we can bring in some flexibility work, some other accessory work to help us open up that range. Uh, And so this is where isolating certain muscles or body parts uh, comes into play and often it will be through specific uh, uh, exercises, movements or accessory work because the key really is to learn how to control those weak immobile muscles and once we do that we can really start building the strength there. So If we look at something like the squat and if someone doesn't have access to the full range of the squat, potentially it could be their hips. So their internal, external rotators of the hips could be hip flexor, it could be quad, it could be hamstring related. The way that we would assess that would be through something like a movement assessment that I would see, okay, well, what's going on? Could be their ankles, it could be their knees, their calf muscles, Uh, Often it's a little bit of a combination of a lot of those, you know, a lot of those tissues or structures in the lower body. But for a lot of people, their hamstrings are really tight. So when the hamstring's really tight, that's going to actually pull the pelvis under and create this butt wink. Uh, It's also going to reduce our ability to be able to squat through the full range. And so what we need to do is we need to lengthen the hamstring. And so we can do that with passive stretches. We can also do that with active, uh, active mobility. So we can actually use some load and we're also doing it by actually just working the squat pattern over time that will help create more mobility and flexibility within the hamstring. I would say the most challenging part or the most challenging task is knowing what to isolate. So what is the weak immobile muscle? Uh, And it's often overlooked because we just don't know that that's the thing that's causing the issue because we don't know how to control it. So there's no mind-muscle connection there or it doesn't fire properly because it's really tight. So many times it can just be one muscle, you know, in the shoulder that's causing the shoulder problems, or it could be one muscle that uh, has overcompensated for a long time in like our hips. uh, And so, or for example, our quads uh, can actually fire uh, a lot more than our hamstrings. And so what we need to do is we need to potentially work with someone, physiotherapist, uh, massage therapist, a coach that can help us identify, okay, is my, do I have structural balance? Uh, What areas do I need to improve my mobility, my flexibility? What areas do I need to improve my stability and strength in? So here are a few foundations that I teach inside of Warrior School. One, I look at capsule strength. So we've got a capsule in our shoulder and a capsule in our hip. Uh, So think ball and socket. Uh, So the, you know, think of your shoulder. There is a capsule there uh, that encapsulates the the head of the humerus. And then think of your hip. There is a capsule there that encapsulates or the head of the femur sits in. And really capsule strength is the ability to move it in its full range, its full capacity. So rotation, flexion and extension. So uh, flexion, you know, of the hip would be, you know, lifting your leg forward. Extension would be lifting it backwards. Rotation would be its ability to be able to, you know, rotate outwards or rotate inwards. Then I also look at trunk flexibility. So I look at, okay, especially the T-spine, so that thoracic spine, uh, and I look at, can the abs stretch and extend? Can the back bend? Uh, where does it look stuck? So one of the things that I look at in the movement assessment is that T-spine mobility. Can we actually get, you know, laying on a foam roller, putting that foam roller where our bra strap or just like where our nipples are 
on our back, uh, laying on our back across the roller with our head and our butt touching the ground. Now, if someone can't do that, it's telling me that potentially there's lack of flexibility in the trunk. And that could come from a tight T-spine. It could come from uh, tight ab muscles or psoas muscle. And so we want to look at trunk flexibility. Does the trunk, uh, what's it like in flexion, extension and side flexion? This third one would be learning how to fold. So forward fold, or it's also called a Jefferson curl. And that's really learning how to roll your spine and create the flexibility of the lower back. The fourth one would be squat and lunge patterns in end range positions. So in, you know, can we get into the bottom of the squat? Can we sit there passively? Can we access that actively? Uh, Do we have... You know, what's our internal and external rotation like at the hip uh, in our lunges? Do we actually have uh, what's our hip flexion like? So that, you know, the front of our hips there, if you put your hand on your hip bones and you just run down a little bit, that's like our hip flexor. And often that's really tight because we sit down a lot. And so that's going to affect our ability to squat or to lunge and so I'm looking at okay well what's the hip flexion like what's the extension like uh we're looking at like a long line lunge stance and a horse stance uh so a long line lunge is like this really long lunge where your knees coming over your toes and your back leg is straight and extended it tells me a lot about the ankle the knee and the hip uh and then something like a horse stance which is like kind of like standing with your legs apart. Imagine that you're on a horse and you're squatting down. That tells me a lot about your hips, the internal rotation of your hips. Uh, Then I also look at hanging and hanging tells me a lot about your overhead mobility, your shoulder mobility, all of the tissues surrounding your shoulder, you know, your lats, which are one of your biggest back muscles, And so I look at those five things and when I'm doing a movement assessment, I'm looking at the capsule strength, the trunk flexibility, the squat and lunge patterns. And then for shoulder, I'm looking at hanging. So how much should we be doing? Every time we train, we should be working our mobility and our flexibility. So the way that I program is I'll always program some preparation work at the start Now, it depends if the warrior is doing a full body day or a lower body day or an upper body day. The preparation will change depending on the intention of the session. But for example, we'll just say we're doing a lower body focus day. So that preparation work will have some type of mobility in there to work on that active range of motion. So for example, if one of my warriors They were going to squat in that preparation work. I am opening their hips. I am working on their ankle and their knees. I uh, am activating the tissues, the structures, the muscles that are required in that squat. So we might do something like an elevated split squat or a long line lunge plus calf raise. And so we're trying to increase our range of motion uh, through active mobility. I don't often get a lot of my warriors to passively stretch unless there's something particular going on that um, it really helps them. So, for example, sometimes they might have a really tight uh, glute or external rotator on one side of their hip. And through trial and error, we know that actually doing something like a pigeon or a ramp pigeon or some type of external rotation stretch for their hip actually really helps just open that tissue up uh, that allows them to actually then do the range of the movement. So sometimes I'll put some passive stretching in, but most of the time it's active mobility work, uh, whether that's moving through a range of motion or it's doing an isometric hold to fire up certain muscles, ligaments, tendons, tissues uh, to help us in 
the squat or the strength movement. Then the warriors will do their 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 focus for the day. So it might be a squat. And then at the end of the session, I will normally do a bunch of accessory work. So single leg work. And that single leg work or the accessory work definitely biases and has a very big mobility stability focus. Uh, I care a lot about the quality of the movement, the range of the movement. All of my warriors use a checklist, which is number one, do you have access to the full range of the movement? If you do, okay, we potentially could make it harder. We potentially could add weight. Number two, do you have control of your body or of the weight in that range? Yep, if we can tick it off, okay. Potentially we can make it harder. We can go up in weight. Uh, And so when it comes to their training, they are doing mobility and flexibility work within their practice. I integrate it into the session. So they don't have separate uh, mobility sessions they don't do a lot of passive stretching before or after I put it in their programming also a big focus is on those compound movements learning how to squat doing that a couple of times a week and doing it uh, through the full range at a tempo will build amazing mobility and flexibility and will be way more effective than just trying to do a 30 second hip stretch or a 30 second hamstring stretch. If we want to build uh, build flexibility in a position, if you wanted to get the splits, you actually have to sit in that passive position for at least a couple of minutes to build great flexibility and range of motion in that position so just hiking your leg up and you know reaching down to touch your toes for 30 seconds ain't doing shit when it comes to building proper flexibility or mobility so we need to do it every time we train so with the warrior that asked me should I be doing extra stretches what we went uh, and did is we just I walked her through her program again and just broke it down how I've included the mobility and the flexibility, where it is, the intention behind me doing specific exercises, you know, in her lower body days. And then in an upper body day, we do the same thing. So in an upper body focus day, a lot of my prep work is hanging, active pulls, um, you know, shoulder range of motion, dislocates, so we're creating the, the range, we're opening up the tissue, we're also creating the stability, the connection, the mind-muscle connection. Then we can do the strength piece, which might be looking at doing their push-ups or their pull-ups. So we want to do it every time we train, but we can integrate it into our training sessions. So into our prep work or our accessory work. We're also doing mobility training every time we squat, every time we deadlift, do a push-up, do a pull-up, bench press. If we're going through full ranges of motion in a controlled manner, you are building mobility. You are building stability and you are building strength. I just wanted to finish on the cycle and stretching. So do we need to do anything different in different phases of our cycle? So estrogen is known to decrease passive stiffness. So leading to favorable increases in joint range of motion during the ovulation period. So when estrogen levels are highest. However, this decreased stiffness does not appear to have the expected detrimental impact on muscle force output, which really means it provides access to greater flexibility with minimal impact on exercise performance. So in the first phase of our menstrual cycle, so that follicular phase up to around ovulation, our estrogen levels, well, they start to rise around, you know, that mid follicular, you know, day nine, 10, they can peak uh, at ovulation and then they drop off a little bit before they rise again in that second phase. But what some research has found is that we do have a decreased passive stiffness, so we can 
access a little bit, we feel more mobile, more flexible, less stiff in the first phase of our cycle. There is a bit of research out there around uh, increased injury risk, uh, particularly the knee, the ACL in women who are in that follicular phase uh, leading up to ovulation. They have found that uh, the potential risk of an ACL tear increases in the follicular phase compared to the luteal phase. But what some of the research has shown is that we don't, yes, we have decreased stiffness, uh, but it doesn't appear to have a detrimental impact on muscle force output. And so, yes, we might have a little bit more laxity. That's what they would, how they describe it. But that laxity or that decreased stiffness doesn't impact our ability to generate force, uh, uh, to sprint, to jump, you know, to, to lift heavy, to move fast uh, or powerfully out of the bottom of a squat. And so it does have minimal impact on our exercise performance, but potentially uh, on our, depending on our sport and what we're doing, that we just need to be a little bit more mindful in that mid to late follicular phase up to ovulation that decreased passive stiffness, that laxity uh, could potentially increase our risk for injury. Uh, But a lot of the research is just looking at the knee joint in mostly like female soccer players um, as well. And you got to think that's um, very multidirectional. And so it really comes back to we want to build good mobility, have good flexibility, good stability within the joint. And we also want to be strong. We want the tendons, the ligaments, the joints, the muscles to be strong. And we want to cha- uh, train all different ranges. Um, we want to load the body and the muscles at lots of different angles. So we build this resiliency, this um, capability within the body. So when we go and do something uh, that, you know, is different to what we normally do we are uh, a little bit more resilient and we can reduce our risk of injury okay that's it that's all I have for you today Uh, hopefully that was helpful and when it comes to planning your training and putting it into your training I just highly recommend that you know, in your strength practice that you're focusing on full ranges of motion, going slow in those to build stability. And then working with someone, if you're not sure of what's, you know, imbalanced or lacking mobility or flexibility, what's holding you back from achieving structural balance or full ranges of of movement in particular exercises or movement patterns, get someone to, to help you figure that out. And then you'll need to isolate those areas to help you develop greater uh, mobility and flexibility and what that will do is that will allow you to reduce your risk of injury it will allow you to build more quality muscle because you're going to recruit more muscles going through full ranges of motion it'll allow you to get stronger uh, because you're going to feel really good when you train you're going to be able to push harder uh, because you can recruit more muscles And yeah, you need to do it. It's important. And this is what I see missing from a lot of training apps. Uh, A lot of coaches, they just don't, they're not practiced in it. It's an art. Uh, It definitely is an art. And I'm so grateful that my coach uh, was taught by some of the best people in this field on mobility and flexibility. It's always been the, the foundation really of my practice uh, and it's a foundation within warrior school we've got to have mobility and flexibility we've got to go through full ranges of motion we've got to be able to control that I call it owning the movement and that's a really big piece if you feel like you don't own the movement if it doesn't feel good it feels yucky you feel stiff um, and tight You don't own that movement and we want to be able to own our movements, our compound movements, because that's how we're going to be able to get more out of our training. Okay, Warrior Woman, uh, have a great day. Have a great week in training. Bye for now. Warrior Woman, thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you haven't, 
please give the podcast some love by subscribing now. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate it and share it with another warrior woman. Also, if you want to go crazy, I'd love if you wrote a review for the Warrior School podcast. And also share and tag me with your biggest takeaways for the episode on the gram. Okay, Warrior Woman, have a great week in training. Bye for now.